Hello and welcome to Bailey's Writing Tips Podcast Short Stories episode number 36, a series of three short stories and some six-worders, or four short stories all under 500 words, with one episode every four weeks, usually being released on a Sunday evening UK time. To date, these have been the flash fiction that have appeared on my blog as Flash Fiction Fridays, and I'll give my email address out later should you like to submit your own. Today's stories are the fifth batch of six-word stories, then three longer pieces, The Unspoken Middle by Diane Corriette, Revenge by Jane Risden, and DeSanta by Annie Ierson. I won't be critiquing them, but just simply reading them out, and I hope you enjoy this format. Firstly, they're six-word stories with six-word biographies. So the first one is by William Bortz, a freshnewview.blogspot.com writer, barrister, and dreamer. And he has two pieces. The first one, You Haunt Me Like Sunday Mornings. Number two, Sterling Silver Rings, Cracked Wedding Bells. And one by Laura Rittenhouse, laurarittenhouse.com, writer, gardener, traveller. And her story, Sunshine Glints, Shot Reverberates, Please, No. Then two by Karen Bate. Facebook.com forward slash Tales of Lake of Two Mountains, author of Memories. And her two stories are Once Upon a Time, The End, and the second one, The Pond Cracked, Spiderwebbed with Frost. And then one by Shell Sheddy, which is she, she photo.com artist, activist, photographer. And all the links for these will be on this episode's page of the blog. And her story is Capturing the Movements of the Street. And then two by Mark Kay, a writer, trying hard. The first one, Incy Wincy Spider got really squashed. And number two, Hey Plumber, pipe down, will you? And then two by Elaine Kay, who likes writing on paper. Ugly Duckling, let Dr. Swan operate. And the second one, Time to cough up, no prenup. And then two from yours truly, Morgan Bailey. It's Morgan Bailey with an E. Time flies, plane flies, friends reunited. Then another second one. Sick and tired, got better, slept. And now for the three longer pieces. The first one is The Unspoken Middle by Diane Corriette. She slipped her arms around his waist and kissed his neck. Through her flowed a torrent of emotions for this man she called hubby. Most days those emotions included love and desire, but recently they were more intense and often negative. Inferiority, anxiety and a feeling of him becoming emotionally unavailable to her plagued her thoughts at night, making her defensive and on her guard during the day. He looked up, smiled, then went back to putting on his tie. He hated her touching his middle. She always wanted to put her arms round him and it made him uneasy. He was certain that her need to surround his stomach was her way of telling him he'd become fat and out of shape. He was conscious of the fact that his middle had grown thicker over the last few years. Despite putting in extra hours at the gym, he continued to expand. Penny for them, she smiled. He looked at her beautiful face staring at him in the mirror. His wife the woman he'd loved for over twenty-three years. His life had meaning because of her, that much he was sure about. 
but he could never find a way to make her understand that fact, so it made sense to her. Not much to share, was all he said, as he removed her hands from around his waist. Leave me be to get ready for work, Judy. His voice was harsher than he meant it to be, but her constant need to touch his middle annoyed him. I love you, he said, hoping to make up for his harshness. I've always loved you. She smiled at him and left the room. He was conscious of her inability to express how she felt. He didn't doubt she loved him, but he still felt a desperate need to hear her express it. Judy made her way down the stairs and into the kitchen, fighting to see through the stream of hot, fresh tears flowing down her face. After what to her was another harsh exchange of words, she was even more convinced he no longer loved her. His inability to touch her, or let her touch him, provided further evidence of his fading affections. Sure, he was good with words, but words were empty and cheap in her opinion, and love needed to be expressed through physical touch. What she needed, as proof of his love, was for him to hold her and say nothing, to touch her and be intimate without the need for words. They ate at breakfast in silence. Eventually he stood at the door, ready to leave for work, and said, I love you. Enjoy your day. See you later. She sat with her body hunched over her magazine, wondering if he could see what she needed from him. Right now were not his words, but his arms around her. She looked up and nodded her head in response. He turned and left. And now a short hundred-worder by Jane Risden called Revenge. My only regret is that when the realisation hits him, when all the evidence points to him and his life is in ruins, I shan't be there to see the look on his face when it dawns on him. Revenge is a dish best served cold, apparently. Well, I shall be cold in my grave, unable to enjoy the moment my murder is pinned on him. I've left clues, irrefutable evidence. No one will ever suspect that I murdered myself, but no matter. I go to my grave, content that for once I have the upper hand. And then DeSanta by Annie Ierson. Come on, you smelly old Diduchka, get a move on. Alex rolled his eyes and whistled, singing in the rain, as he leaned on his broom, waiting to sweep up in the grotto. It had been a long day and I'd had enough. My back was aching. I was hot and sweaty from being cocooned for the last eight hours in a cotton-wool winter wonderland, with children draped over my lap. More than several times I'd reminded myself never again to volunteer for this job. I sneered at Alex, under the cover of my white beard. He was a nasty piece of work. I knew exactly what he got up to with his droogs. I'd marked his card years ago, when things first started to go wrong. He'd been given the part of a sheep in the Christmas nativity play, and kicked off when he'd been given some girls' white tights to wear. His mother, full of Christmas spirit as usual, had stormed into the school, puffed cigarette smoke into the headteacher's face and complained, saying her precious lad would be scarred for life by having to wear girls' clothes. Alex jabbed at my feet with his broom, pretending to sweep me up as he tried to be clever with the stupid language he'd picked up, along with his recent obsession with Beethoven. I couldn't understand what he was saying. He was dancing around like an idiot, and the broom banged hard on the backs of my heels, almost sweeping me off my feet. I stood with my back to him, deliberately slow, 
as I leaned forward to pick up one of Rudolph's sleigh bells from the floor. Turning around, grimacing as I held my aching back, I squared up to him, leaned forwards and rang it in his face. What was it you wanted for Christmas, Alex? I said in my best kind Santa voice, hoping my eyes were twinkling. Or have we been a baddie wad little boy lately? Alex reached out and grabbed my beard, intending to rip it from my face. He tugged hard. Surprised when it didn't budge, I knew I had him off guard for a second or two. Taking advantage, I grabbed him by the ear, kicked out the broom from his hand and held on to him. He screamed out in pain. I twisted his ear hard and then kicked him viciously in the groin with my size 11 steel toe-capped boots. I know everything about you, Alex, I growled as he lay on the floor writhing in agony, and your so-called droogs, Georgie, Dim and Pete. You wanted ultraviolence for Christmas, I believe? On the floor, Alex looked up at me in surprise. I stamped hard on his abdomen, and his face turned a strange shade of grey. Well, you've got what you wanted, I said, and I slung my sack over my shoulder and walked away. Now a little about the authors of the three flash fiction pieces. Diane Corriette writes flash fiction and poetry over at her blog, Pen and I. Although she's been writing for years and currently writes and sells non-fiction e-books on self-confidence, she's only recently, November 2012, decided to write fiction, her hidden passion for many years, and published The Last Hut and 29 other flash fiction stories in October 2013. Diane lives in Bedfordshire, England, with her youngest son. Two of her three children have now left home, and her cat, Molly. You can find her on all the usual social media hangouts and over at her blog, penandi.com. That's P-E-N-A-N-D-I dot com. And you can purchase her book, also available on Kindle, at thelasthut.co.uk. Jane Risden began writing seriously three years ago, after a life spent in the international music industry, where she managed recording artists, record producers and songwriters from all over the world. Putting her own wishes to write on hold throughout her music career had unseen benefits in that she's garnered a wealth of material for her stories. She now has time to write crime and mysteries and has three novels on the go at the moment. Another is a co-written novel with an award-winning author, which she hopes will be published this year. Jane has also had short stories published in various anthologies in aid of charity and has another anthology due out in 2014 involving authors from across the globe. She's also written flash fiction and those and her short stories have been published and podcasted on the internet frequently. These stories are often, but not always, crime related and she often writes humorous short stories based on her observations of characters she's met or know new in the past, heavily disguised of course. Married to a musician and being involved in the music industry for many years, travelling and living in many countries, including Southeast Asia, China, USA and Europe, Jane draws on all her experiences for her writing. There are various outlets that you can find Jane at, it's Facebook, her author blog on WordPress which is janerisden.wordpress.com and it's Jane, J-A-N-E, Risden, R-I-S-D-O-N, .wordpress.com, and the publications, you can look at my blog for that, and also I Am Woman Anthology on Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com. 
Annie Ierson lives in Kettering, Northamptonshire, and works full-time at the local council offices. For many years, she's harboured what her husband and three children have always referred to as a dirty little secret. In her spare time, she was as likely to be found tapping away on a keyboard as she was with her head buried deep within the pages of a book. But even some members of her family never knew she was a secret writer. In 2008, after writing a 200,000-word family saga, she poked her head out of the writing closet. With what can only be described as pure terror, she submitted her manuscript to agents. After being advised to split the saga into a trilogy, Annie almost secured a publishing deal in 2009. Her literary agent advised her to go and write another book. Annie is still seeking a traditional route to to publication for the trilogy. Since writing The White Cuckoo, her fourth novel, Annie has completed the first draft of her fifth and started writing her sixth, a political drama entitled The Fourteenth Traitor. Annie has also written a number of short stories, one of which won a gold award in a national competition in 2008, and another that was included in a charity anthology in 2012. She's also had a short story accepted for publication by a women's magazine. Annie's website is annie.wordpress.com and that's A-N-N-I-E-Y-E dot wordpress.com. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Short Stories in four weeks' time. All the links mentioned in these shows are listed on the podcast Short Stories page of my blog, which is morganbailey.wordpress.com and the spelling of my name is m-o-r-g-e-n bailey.wordpress.com and my email address is morgan at morganbailey.com. The podcast is available via iTunes, Google's feed burner, Podbean when it catches up, Podcasters, which takes even longer, or Podcast Alley, which doesn't list the episodes but will let you subscribe.